Welcome to Casting Nets. I am one of your hosts. I'm Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here with what is becoming a three-host show. We are growing. We are growing. This is the podcast version of the Trinity. We are all one host, but three individual people. And so we have I Pastor. Knew this show was just going down in flames. It was. And that was a. They they let me do the introduction, and I am just reveling in the chaos. Despite the fact that this show is brought to you by Good Coffee. I mean, where do you find Good Coffee? Wherever Good Coffee is sold. Um, So we welcome one of the hosts here, Pastor Dave Rudat, who is pastor at Shirley and Emmanuel. I was, and earlier this morning I was trying to uh, moderate the piece between a triangle and a circle because a triangle kept telling the circle that he was pointless. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there we go <laughs> I don't, I, <laughs> we are also gathered with the silent majority of us uh who is pastor dave Endorf. <laughs> I, I just want to point out i'm going with we're the triumvirate we're not the trinity <laughs> that doesn't sound quite as blasphemous it wasn't meant to be blasphemous we are we are one host three individuals <laughs> I'm still going with triumvirate. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. If you want to be a triumvirate, then that's fine. We can be that. We can be a pitchfork. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Three leaf clover. I don't. <laughs> that would work. That's partialism, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what that is, please search the internet. That's partialism, Patrick. Lutheran satire. Absolutely. Uh, so welcome this to the show. This show is not brought to you by Lutheran Satire. No, but it should. We should get him as a as a as a sponsor. That would be great. I'm sure, as a Lutheran pastor, he's got money to burn. Let's throw it at these three guys <laughs> doing a mediocre podcast that's going down in flames. Yeah, he'd probably be like, "Hey, it's sort of like my YouTube videos. This will be great." <laughs> Um, no, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you with us. Before we have an opportunity to dive into our topic, which hopefully as you, you kind of jumped on in and you saw our, our topic for today, it's going to be talking about Pro Every Life, which is a book uh, by Pastor Mike Novotny, who is the face of Time of Grace uh, Ministries that is, uh, I think he serves in Appleton, right? At the core. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're going to be taking a look at his book. Before we do that, I'm going to be tossing things over to um, our our good friend and colleague here, Pastor Dave Rudat, who will give you our disclaimer. Our disclaimer is that this is meant to be the beginning of a conversation and not the end. And uh, it, as it, such as a conversation, we are we are being su- pleasantly surprised by the viewpoints of each other, and maybe we are even opening ourselves up to learning something from each other, and we are opening ourselves even to having our minds changed. So this is. When we say something that might not be the final say that uh, we say, we're we're meant. This is meant to be a, the beginning of a conversation, and we're letting you in on three pastors uh, talking about stuff and talking about Jesus. So that's kind of the price of admission: is that you have to say, you know, these guys are just having a conversation. This isn't them uh, um, pontificating from on high. Yeah, so and if you please, can contact us, yeah, you can. You can contact us. Uh, there, you can. Kind of do it on an email. You um, well, you can contact us via email, castingnetspod at gmail dot com. But uh, what I meant to say is that you can actually contact us by seeing us in person at our respective churches. So you can go see Dave at Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, 
Minnesota. You can see uh, Will Harley uh, here at St. John and Maribel. You can see myself and Emmanuel and Shirley. And on the flip side, if this is uh, something that you are appreciating as you're listening to this or as you're watching this, you can give us uh, five uh, stars or four stars, five stars if you want my head to explode because if it, it gets any bigger, boom, it's going to go off. Uh, I, I'm having trouble getting through get, getting shirts on now, but uh, I can I can do it. If you really want to give us a five star, <laughs> I will manage. It is a cross I'm willing to bear. But we're not doing that for our own sake so that we, we're not looking at how many stars we're getting every day. That doesn't uh, fill us with joy. Jesus is what fills us with joy. However, we do know that there's this algorithm thingy that uh, if you want others to uh, listen to our podcast, the, el- the five-star reviews helps others get to us. All right. So let's uh, have our intro music, and we'll get to our topic at hand. Once again, welcome back to the show. We are going to start our conversation. Um, we've been kind of doing a, you know, kind of an on and off book study. Um, last week, we had an opportunity to, to further our conversation about Christ in the Old Testament and, and kind of studying a, a book that um, dealt with, with finding Christ in, in that, being rooted in, in that Old Testament message and in the hope and comfort of our Savior. Um, today, we're kind of switching gears a little bit, moving on with another book study. Um, this book study was actually chosen by Pastor Dave Rudon, and um, this one deals with... Uh, a timely topic that's been in and out of the news. I really feel that this is a timely topic just because of the Roe v. Wade being overturned and now uh, Christians can engage their neighbor in this conversation or and this conversation can also be engaged in the political arena a little bit more than it was before. But what reti- what materials are out there to help assist our members? And so this book actually is a series of sermons. There's three sermons, one on the abortion in the womb, the abortion in the church, and the abortion in the government. And it has three sermons, and then after the sermons, there are email exchanges that Pastor Novotny had with people who had listened to or watched or been there for the sermons. And then also there are discussion questions at the end of every chapter. So causes, it's meant for reflection as you're thinking about how do I engage others who are outside of my shall we say, echo chamber. Like we've, Christians have been talking about abortions in churches and amongst themselves, but now here we have this opportunity to talk about this and engage with our community um, now that Roe v. Wade has been yeah. returned. Well, I think one of the, the and, and maybe just to start it off, <clears throat> you know, he he kind of brought up in, in the very introduction that um, that he was tackling a, tackling a topic that he felt he was unprepared for, and so he had to take some time to prepare for it, which I think is is fabulous. I, I think all of us need to spend time and maybe stop and say, okay, this is a, this is a, a topic that needs to be talked about. Um, but some of the comments that I had in the very beginning kind of were misleading because um, some of the comments in the very beginning of the book led me to believe that, you know, churches aren't talking about this type of thing. But I mean, we have Life Sundays. I mean, that's, that's uh, uh, what, January 7th, something like that, uh, or around that time, um, where... Usually like the third... 
the third Sunday, is yeah, it? Yeah, like 20-something. Okay. 21, 22. But these are they're, they're life Sundays that are, are kind of built into our worship time where we, we spend the time to say, you know, God's value of life and, and open up the congregation to talking about these topics. So I, I kind of felt as if it was a false premise saying no other church has ever done this. No other Lutheran church, um, I would say specifically Lutheran church has ever had a conversation on abortion with their people. Um, I I've had many, um, with my people. I've talked about this topic. Now, did I do it in the same way he did? Absolutely not. No one responded to mine. Um, I didn't get any emails and and tweets and Twitters and, and Mm -hmm. things of that nature, but we, I, I think we have done it. So to me, it was a, to me, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to look at someone else's approach. How did they do it? Which I think was beneficial in that sense. Um, but, but a little off putting in the very beginning to say, wait a second, you know, that this happens. Um, I've done it. I know you've done it. Um, and Dave, have you well, done it? I, I would agree. I mean, I, I serve on the board at, at Christian Life Ministries New Day Pregnancy Center here in the Twin Cities. And so it, we do it. We we talk about it um, a lot. And I, I guess I would also say in, in talking about the approach that as much as I appreciate a dedicated sermon to it, I think that there are times where, you know, it's such a multifaceted problem that you know, you have to bring it up as a small slice of a different sermon, you know, and so you bring it up when you're talking about, you know, stewardship, and you you talk about how, you know, we don't let worry make our decisions. And, and this is a, a good application, then, you know, it's not the whole focus of um, the sermon, but it is part of that application. And, you know, no, I agree with you. I, I think you, you you end up tackling um, the issue throughout your ministry um, as you deal with things. Um, so I, so, I don't want to I don't want to yeah. hijack and, and lead us off the rails. I'm the moderate one today, um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know what this is we're gonna yeah, take even keel. Let's go through each sermon and yeah. just talk a little bit about what he's talked about, uh, pros and cons of what he says. Some maybe something that led us to think the first sermon was talking about the abortion and the womb. And what I, I appreciated is the five different views that people have on when does life begin because. Again, this is kind of a symptom of being in the echo chamber where you would think the the people who are pro-choice are, they just think that you can kill the baby. You don't kill the baby when the baby is outside. And certainly there is an aspect, there's a, a portion of our population that says that is, you know, abort, if you, even if, you, if the child is, a, is, a, is born alive, we can still kill it because it's, it's our choice. Uh, so I did appreciate the five different uh, viewpoints that they would have on what when does life begin and uh if i re- <clears throat> let's see if i can remember them i'm trying to do this without notes see, see will is I, trying I to grow book. trying to be trying I'm, to be a moderate and i'm trying to do this without notes in front of we me we don't so. need chaos being entered into this we should we should just read the points <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so not me <laughs> No, so so, the, so the your first, first one, yeah, yeah, first one would be what is the first one? You're reading, uh, so the you first one, open. some uh, some person uh, or s- some say a person is created at conception. So that's that's the number one. 
Uh, the number two would be others are convinced that people are created at recognition. Um, and then number so, yeah, and recognition would be once once the blob of cells becomes recognizable right, right. As, a, as a as a as a human being, then therefore that's life. And then the third one is uh, others say a person is created at viability, so that's when they're able to to live on their own. And then the uh, the fourth is others say a person is created by desire. And then finally, uh, some say a person is created at birth. So, so those are the five in the first sermon that that he kind of goes over. Um, so, and he comes down on the first one. Obviously, he's a you know a, a abortion right, through uh, process of elimination. Yeah, right. <laughs> he takes you through and says, "Not this one." Not. And he does biblically. What What does the Bible say? Excuse me. What does the Bible and say I, about John the Baptist? I really appreciated that because I think it's too easy for us to assume. Well, this is what everybody believes. Yeah. You know, this is what my congregation believes. If they're a, a Wells member, they, they have to believe this. And I don't think that we're necessarily always actually on the same page about that. I, I, and, I completely agree. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. I've had yeah, conversations. Go ahead. This is fun. Yeah, that's a really valuable thing <laughs> to just, hey, let's start at the beginning. You know, when does life begin? And... Yeah, I, I remember I, having. I, I'm sorry. I keep <laughs> oh, but I, I just think that also when we you're doing a good when job we talk about by the way. personhood, um, you know, we have a slightly different conversation inside the church and outside of the church. You know, we we would talk about like ensoulment. You know, when do body and soul get joined or or something like that? You know, the, outside of the church, when you're talking with you know, an unbeliever, they would be talking about, you know, when does the person get the rights of a person? Sure. And so, you know, we've got to understand, you know, they're going to approach it from a different way. And so the discussion is going to have to <clears throat> have to have, so you don't talk past each other. Yeah. Sure. You got to understand yeah. they mean something different than you do when you talk about when does the, baby become a person dave uh i was just gonna say i really appreciated what dave was saying about uh, uh we we have to make sure that all the definitions are clear because i i can see in even in pro-life sermons that making sure to have this these distinctions about what is it what what are we engaging with with outside of the world and what do they view as what is life and i like how dave was saying how within the church we're saying soul and body conception there it is that's life but we have to understand these are other viewpoints held outside. And then I also appreciate that sometimes even our own members need that refresher because as, as pastors from the pulpit and we're, we're saying we, we can sometimes make assumptions that they are on the same page as we are. And I appreciated that reminder that make sure that your definitions are, are understood. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I'll be honest. I, I kind of took it from a totally different angle than all of you. I, I guess when I was reading this book, I was, I was, uh, I took it from, from a very intellectual type uh, side. I, I approached it from, from as if I was coming in here without any type of baggage and just reading it as, as what it is. And I looked at it and I'm like, okay, well, <clears throat> this is a, it is a use of reason in the sense that, that he, he, he lays out what the world would reason as our choices. And then he, he tries to reasonably walk through and say, okay, 
um, this might be what it looks like, but what is it really, what's really happening? And he tries to knock them down. And, and in that regard, I, I very much enjoyed, I, I enjoyed that from an intellectual standpoint. I really did. From an intellectual standpoint, I, I very much enjoyed hearing the, this is what we think, you know, you know, most people would say it's a baby cause it's alive. And, and, and what does that mean? Well, it's now doing baby things. Um, these, I, I, I liked the idea of, you know, the cells at the moment of conception, they're different cells from, you know, there's there, that's a scientific type of, of, of way to look at it. Um, the part that, that I think the detraction I would say to that is you explain the different reasonable conclusions, but those people who fall into those categories, I don't think are convinced of the difference. Like they they weren't convinced that their category wasn't right. It, it, it just, it, it, it almost was a straw man type of argument. I felt he, I know where he was going from the moment that he, he, you know, he put it first, you know where he's going. So it almost becomes the straw man argument of saying, okay, well, I'm going to give my first case and I'm going to try to be fair about it, but I'm really not going to be fair about it because I'm going to be coming back to this first case. And this first case is going to be the, really the right answer. Is it really a straw man if the, if the other side actually has that position? A straw man is usually when you are, you are, you are assuming that this other, your other, your opponent has this position and this line of thinking, and they don't. Yes, I understand that. And and that was my, that was kind of my, my and that's why I'm saying it felt like a straw man. Um, because it seemed to me like, like after he put all the facts out there and he was looking at all these different things, he, he came back down to saying, well, they're, they should agree with number one. That really when it's all laid out, that they would agree with number one. Because when he he backs up number one, he is backing it up by proclaiming the word of God. That's saying this is why this is the number one. This and and how is that going to convince anybody? Well, it's that's the straw man. <laughs> well, it's just the work of the word that's going to convict someone's heart that this is this is what it is. Granted. So, so if you're looking for if you're looking for a book that's going to argue it from a rationalistic point of view, this is not that book. This is a blend of. Right. Taking from that world, but then also moving us from that world to the. And that's the, where I appreciate scripture. I'm not saying that I'm, I don't agree. Mm. I, I'm just saying that that's what it, it, it that, to me, that's what it felt like. It felt like we're going to set it up to knock it down. Okay. And it, it didn't that. So for your dear listeners, if you're, or dear watchers, if you're looking at this, this is not a book to win arguments. This is a book to help you understand the other side. Yeah. I would definitely agree. It's not going to help you. And it will, in some cases, help you understand there are other people out there who, rationally or not, are set in this thought. And and what I did find in the first sermon, very, very well done, um, was placing uh, the the person who is feeling the after effects um, of the abortion no matter where you were on that spectrum, um, that shame, right, um, from recognizing that even if even if even if I didn't think that, why am I still feeling this? Mm-hmm. That I felt I, I thought he did a very good job at. You know, even if you didn't feel as if it, this was a a child at conception, you felt as if it, it wasn't a child until viability. 
the fact that that you still felt shame, you still felt guilt, um, and and it still affected you. That says something different. And I think he he really painted that picture very very well in that sermon. And to me, I I think that we look at the the fact that this is a part of the sermon, and it's really a part of the law preaching of the sermon to get to the rationalizations that people have that you know they use to avoid feeling guilt they use to avoid the condemnation of the law and and in that respect you know we're not really trying to rationalize them into feeling the law or to feeling the guilt we're just trying to and 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 so i agree with what he did you know which is preach the word and you know the holy spirit's going to convict their heart and say yeah you're right this is what god's word says it is a child from the moment of conception and that's that's the law that is what god's word says and that's what i appreciated about it no i agree like i said it it, it really brought out the shame right the that no matter what point you are on that spectrum <clears throat> you feel it and and how do you get out from underneath that? And see, that's where that's where I, I would have appreciated more from the sermon in the gospel aspect, because you 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 look at the the switch over from okay, this is he spends a lot of time on the law, and then he gets to a very brief gospel section at the end, and it's it, it it's a lot of um, you know if you confess you will be forgiven. And so, so can I just, I, I just want to throw in here, which, and, and I'm going to just throw this in here because I think it, it, it is, it, it can add a little highlight and just a complete and utter turn. <clears throat> when, when we're all in, in hermeneutics, right. And we're learning how to preach. It's a, a big term for teacher or preacher school. Um, and we're learning how to, we're learning how homiletics, to preach yeah. Yeah, the homiletics and, and we're learning how to do this. One of the things that I, that I was told and we were all told was <clears throat> you try to keep a balance between law and gospel, but sometimes one sentence of the gospel clearly shown outweighs an entire sermon of the, of the law. And, and I think, and I'm just going to throw this out there to me, he did it so beautifully in, in, in this one statement, he said, um, if so, read this, Jesus Christ, the Brephos born in Bethlehem came into this world to forgive and save people just like you. That is, that is not general gospel. That isn't talking around the gospel. That is, Christ for you. And, and to me, that changed the entire, that, that one line changed the entire focus of this particular sermon. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I, I stand with you in other sermons uh, of the other two, but in this particular sermon, I think was his far, the, the far better of all three. But if you're looking, if you're saying the first sight, and I thank you for pointing that out, and thank you for reminding us that sometimes when I've always struggled with the gospel's got to predominate, we learned in homiletics class, and I've always said, well, does that mean we have to have equal amounts of gospel and law? And a reminder of just the way that we, we phrase things can 
let the gospel be as powerful as it is, um, as it already is. And uh, I did appreciate that, but does it really affect the whole shame uh, of the first sermon is the, is the question. That I, that, it, go ahead. And that's where I want to jump in and say, you know, to me that that sentence feels beautiful, but would he, he limits it very much to that saves you. And I think to the person who, you know, has grown up Lutheran, I, I think there's so much in that to us that, yeah, that feels great. But to the person who is struggling under the weight of their sin, you know, what do they actually hear about that? What does it mean to be saved? It means that Jesus lived the perfect life you didn't. And so when, when we struggle sure. with decisions, he didn't. And, and that perfect decision-making covers you, that, that he sure. died and all of your sins are taken away, that when it comes to shame, you know, your shame is taken away and God is not ashamed to call you, you know, his, you know, his dear child, his, his brother or sure. sister. And so you're not sneaking into church, you know, God welcomes you into church and he calls you the bride of Christ, that, that you're coming in glorious into the church with music playing and, and everybody's turning and staring at you and thinking, how beautiful is this person? And, and this whole thing is glorious. But now that's a 30 minute and, and, sermon. That's what the person needs to hear. We're not there, and and if everybody could see the real you, the glory that you have in Christ, sure, you know that that is the real you, not this secret sin. Sure, yeah, and and that's what the person needs to hear. That's what it means that Jesus saves you, and and that's what I want the person to hear. And, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm just saying that sometimes, <clears throat> and we've all been there. We've all, we've all, we've all been there where we're writing the sermon and, and we get done with writing the sermon and we say, is, is the gospel there? And, and the answer is yes, the gospel's there. Um, but it was, it is, was it ex- expressed as, as beautifully as we could have done it? And the answer is no. Um, I, I think I, I, I agree that to flush out what does it mean that this child is, is now for you and saves you um, can be so beautifully flushed out. But on the flip side, this is the, be- this sermon I felt was the beginning of a conversation he was, he was trying to have throughout multiple opportunities. And, and, and I'm not saying he did it well in the other two sermons where he could have really done it better. <clears throat> but, but if you would treat this as what I think he intended that this was the beginning of a conversation that wanted he wanted to walk with them <clears throat> in further proclaiming the joy of forgiveness in Christ and what it truly means. I think he did a very, very good job in bringing that out in the sermon in, in a way that was approachable and got you thinking, does this mean me? And 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 I, 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 you, you gotta you gotta take a step back and say sometimes. And I would agree with you and say that. And I, I think I also appreciated the the responses in between the two where you see that clearly that's what the Holy Spirit did. Right. You know, and you exactly. have people who talk about, you know, there is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. 
And I, I loved those. And I, I think especially hearing those and, and having other women who are in that same situation saying, you know, there is no condemnation for you is a wonderful thing because, um, you know, they get to comfort. But not only other. that, and but I, not only that, to, to, to have that horrible sense inside of saying, I, I killed a child, right? I mean, the shame that you're carrying. And then to hear the words, but a child saved me. That that I, I to me that is a powerful gospel message, just to just to get it out there. Now you can fill it with a bunch of words, and you did a great job. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying you didn't, Dave. Uh, that I would love to hear. Um, make that sermon and then send it to us so that I can preach it because that is awesome. But but in the moment, from what the way I felt how how Pastor Novotny walked it down, that was the to me in the sermon. That was the I needed I needed to hear that in the sermon intellectually i understood there could be more but but in in a in a way that the heart bleeds it's not rational and it's not looking for words it's looking for that child that i killed needed to i i needed to hear it was i'm i'm okay and and that i'm not held accountable for that mistake and to because hear it pro- because of christ but to hear that proclaimed from the child christ mm-hmm. And as much as I get what you're saying, I, I think there's so much more. I, I'm not disagreeing. And, and yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And you said it beautifully. Yeah. So go back and listen to that over and over and over again. And again, write the sermon, then send it to us. Um. <laughs> and, and I guess the other thing I would point out is something that we talked about in the pre-show is I, I don't have anything better I would give to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have anything better I've written I would give to people. Sure. And so, you know, un- understand with all of my comments, I get that too. Yeah. So I'm just putting this up there so that I can help with the chapters later on. So now we're going to be looking at uh, the second sermon that he preached. Can be before we uh, do we're that. Not, we're not done yet. I just want to make a comment um, and because it, it needs to be said because you said it before. And we're going to say too, in between each of these sermons, there is, there is um, um, a section of, of responses that he receives. And the responses are are from people who uh, are struggling. Most of them are from people who are struggling. Um, <clears throat> can I just say, and I'm going to be the one, I'll throw it out here and you guys can comment and you can say yes or no or whatever else. I appreciated the ones that were about the topic of the people struggling, either good or bad. I did not appreciate the ones that were self-glorifying. Can Good I say sermon that? sermon pastor, and we thank right. you for that. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't appreciate those because I think it detracted from the point of what the book is supposed to be. That's my piece. You can move on or discuss. All right, so that's the end. <laughs> end notes for chapter one. Now, again, now let's look at uh, chapter two, abortion in the church. This is probably that's a, probably a topic we could have at the end of the, of the conversation as well because this is a, a, a common thread of that. So now is how does the church respond to the subject of abortion and uh, I, for me personally, I appreciated the the the. Um, this is the law section, but just what is the church doing? Is it is it helping people out financially? Is it opening their homes, or are they divesting of their time? Uh, and here, I felt could, 
uh, properly convicted of, in my own church circle where we do know that there's a Bay Area Life Center nearby. What are we actually doing to help that Bay Area Life Center? We've done a lot of money type thing. We've thrown money at it. Uh, throwing money is not the not the proper way of saying it because it was uh, inspired by, led by the Spirit of God to help uh, the church at large. But we've done money, but then what about time? What about effort and all of those things? And an encouragement for Christians, and I I've often preach this in my pro-life Sunday sermons, is that being pro-life isn't just about throwing money at a, at a, at a Bay Area pregnancy center, or uh, but also the openness of opening up our homes, the hospitality of what Christians have been known for throughout time. That's my opening comment salvo on this chapter. Go ahead. Uh, Dave, do you want to comment first or do you want to hear mine? Oh, I'll go ahead. I, I think that as we approach anything like this, that you know what we want to avoid is some kind of theology of glory like if yeah. the church just gets this right we can fix the world or we can really achieve great things or because the reality is that you know the church is always going to be filled with hypocrites the, the church is always going to have you know the the judgmental aunt bertha and the self-righteous sally because god loves them too as much as he loves, you know, that that pregnant 16-year-old girl, he loves that judgmental 45-year-old, you know, guy. And and so it's it, and so we should expect, you know, and it doesn't mean we don't try to change it, it doesn't mean we don't work at it. It means that when we see those things going on, you know, we recognize that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And and so we work at it with this idea of, and, and we preach about it with this idea of, you know, all of this is a sign that God saves sinners and that he's the one behind the church, blessing us and taking care of us and ruling at the right hand of the Father because he died for the sins of the entire world. And, and so we encourage people with the knowledge of, hey, hey, that doesn't mean you're wrong. You're still forgiven. You're still God's dearly loved child when the church screws up. It means God's still going to bless you and take care of you because he's blessing and taking care of them. Yep. And, and so we that's keep the going gospel with that's that in, in mind. Sermon. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. I, I, <clears throat> this particular sermon was, was extremely sanctification heavy. Um, to the point of maybe you could have a couple of sections where you're like, okay, we are gospel generic, um, where, where we're going to talk about what God has given to us, but there's never a point of, I've made this mistake because I did not love my neighbor as I have been called to. And I, and, and maybe sometimes I can't, maybe, maybe there's something deep inside me that just rebels and kicks and screams and I can't overcome it on this side of heaven. And, and I needed to hear in this sermon, God forgives me. And, and that's... Yeah, we needed to hear what Dave just said. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the specificness of it yeah. um, was lacking. And so I, I felt that this, this was like a... So when I say sanctification, I, I meant that this is a very much of 
this is what we should do because God has blessed us. Because God loves us, this is the reaction. And and is that true? Yeah, I think that is true. Um, but but sometimes in sanctification preaching, you can become sanctification heavy, and and the I get to becomes the I should and I would have if I was better, but I'm not better, so now I just feel guilty about it. Um, and that is that is I think the complete opposite of what he desired to mm-hmm. portray, but that's what I walked away with. Mm-hmm. I, I walked away with, well, you should feel guilty, oh church, just as guilty as the person who went and did the abortion because you haven't backed them up. You didn't do your job. And it's like, you know what? We're all sinners that should carry some shame. And now I need to hear the gospel that, that picks me up from that. Um, so Dave, again, uh, kudos on your gospel proclamation. Um, throw in a little bit of the sacraments there, and I think you'd be a Lutheran. (laughs) I guess my concern is, you know, what happens, you know, picture the next, you know, unplanned pregnancy where it's a crisis, and and she goes to, you know, somebody who should help her, and and she realizes that it's not this picture of the church that is sanctified the way it should be and 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 how does she respond you know after this sermon you know it's not like that it's not welcoming it's not open you know and and many of our churches aren't let's just be honest many of our churches aren't um i mean the the you've heard it i've heard it everyone's you walk into the church and they're like oh they're cold it's everyone is walk into a store they're cold I mean, there is a there's a definite cultural uh, shift that needs to be made if you want to be a, a warm church. But even if you walk into a church that I would say, quote unquote, warm, they don't care. They, they really don't because people by nature are, sinf- are sinful people and they don't really care. Um, the only thing that can make a difference is the gospel for you. Um, Jesus Christ for you, preached to you, who repairs you, brings you up and changes your life. And... <clears throat> We've said it before. We said it, and I'm not going to rehash it. It was missing from this particular sermon. Um, it, it was it was missing in spades and should have been there. And, and I just don't want that person to 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 fall away because you know they forget this is the way the church has always been because God saved sinners. Yeah. And when we come to mm. church. It's a group of sinners. It's a triage. And some are going to be further along in their life of sanctification than others, but some aren't. Yep. And some and could be, some could have been lifelong Christians and they still aren't further along because our sinful natures are just that way. It is a triage. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I agree with yeah. what you're saying. I just wanted to add to that is that it's a reminder. It was a, a, a powerful reminder to me in a sense where there was a one, I don't remember if it was in this section or the previous section where the person was still, maybe it was the previous one, where they they had they knew they were in a relationship a relationship where people loved them and supported them, but they still had difficulty expressing that they had done this. And <clears throat> sometimes it it is a, a matter of it doesn't matter what kind of what the spirit moves the church to be. There still is still there's still sin is still a problem. And I think is exactly what Dave was saying is we can't ever get to a point where we're going to have a perfect church that responds to sin in a perfect way because you're going to have sin on both sides of the equation where you're going to have the person coming in who is dealing with shame or dealing with pride on the other side of it. 
and or you're going to have a church that is dealing with shame or dealing with pride on the other so it's uh it, it's it's a sinful situation and it's only by as dave was saying it's only by the power of, of god that anybody gets the help that they really need which is found in christ and the forgiveness that we get from him well and you know this 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 i guess comes back and this is maybe in my i'm always on the i'm i'm on the the sacraments church kick of this is god serving us um, and that, that's something that I kind of, I felt was missing in all of the sermons, but in this one particularly, when he was dealing with the church, you know, the blessings that flow from the church is what repairs. It's not the people in the church that do the repairing. It is, it is what God provides through the church where we all come together. The, the, the one who has shame over maybe an action committed, the one who has pride, um, in their heart over who they think they are over and above someone else still come to the table and they receive they receive one who has died for them for their forgiveness of the guilt the pride the shame the you name it um it's the it's the equal it's the equalizer right it is the equalizer there um, in front of the sacraments where you're brought uh, through water uh, and word and you die with Christ, all of us. It doesn't matter who. You're brought to the table and you receive as one body and blood, bread and wine with the declaration of forgiveness. Wait a second. Do I need it? Yes, you do. <laughs> well, why do I need it? Because you're prideful and it's showing. Oh, I need it. Does he mean mean? Yes, he means you. Why? Because he says, you are forgiven. Take and eat. Um, these are the things that are, are so beautiful that we're missing. And that's where I love the fellowship that we have when we come to communion and, and we're all one body because we all partake of one loaf. Is, is You have so many comments about, you know, I felt alone, you know, and I, I understand Believe me, I understand what it means when you think you're alone because of your own sin. And, and I've obviously never had an abortion, but I have my own sin. And Satan has certainly worked on me. And I have certainly felt alone because of my own sin. But that's how Satan wants you to feel. And, and part of the reason we go to communion together is because... You know, God wants us to know you're not alone. You're you're just like everybody else. And yeah. you're just as forgiven as everybody else. And and you're a part of the body of Christ. And, and you're a part of that holy nation and that royal priesthood. And so you you may feel like you're alone, but you're not. And what flows from that, right? What flows from that? Mm -hmm. I can come to these people. And, and we share in something greater than us. And, and so I can share what I'm struggling with. Um, and, and it opens those doors, at least to me, uh, you know, this is the work of the spirit opening those doors that says, you know, we, we heard of the proclamation of forgiveness from our Lord's lips. We now hear it from his children shared among each other. Um, as, as we get to share these things. And, and that's what leads to the sanctification. That's what leads to, to these people who want and desire to, reach out and help to open their doors to to help the mother who is struggling or the one who has has had the abortion and now is is immersed in this pain um it flows not from from i have to do these things otherwise i'm a horrible person but it flows from i'm a horrible person who's already been forgiven and i get to share it with you too and and we get to do this together and walk this path well and and i would say that 
when it's done for the right reasons, it flows from that. You can get people to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Sure. But that's not God pleasing, you know, and, and that's why, you know, the Mormon church has a lot of money. That's why, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses come to the, are out there every, you know, Saturday knocking on doors. But we don't want that. Right. I agree. Any other sidebars before we go to chapter three? My comment would still stand with the results of the responses. Mm -hmm. Some of them were very, very good. Others were, I think, not needed. Mm -hmm. So now here here we are in the the third section, which is the abortion and and the government. And so this was a sermon about the Christian's interaction with the world and specifically politics and abortion. And he had an interesting frame for Christians to consider when it comes to voting and abortion, and that is to uh, seek out maximum justice. And so, in saw that movie. (laughs) It sounds like an '80s action (laughs) flick. Um, Steven Seagal. Yeah. Yeah. So, it it was it is interesting because there are individuals that are very much you have to vote one way because one side is pro-life and then completely and then not even acknowledging the other side maybe and have some elements where it is uh pro pro-life at the same time or that there's another party or another option that you can use where we're, we're dealing we're going into the the realm of individuals thinking that there's only one right way to express your christian faith as you vote yeah, I um I struggled with that section only for the simple fact that um I'm I'm not necessarily sure I like his maximum justice. Um I I kind of and I've taught it this way and I will continue to do so until someone um IE the Lord says that I'm teaching it wrong. Um I look at what is the call of the kingdom of the world. What is, the, what is the call of the left kingdom? And the call of the left king, kingdom is to keep the peace um, in an external way. And um, I have to come to terms with the fact that sometimes to keep the peace in an external way, it will be anti-Christian and anti-church. Um, not because it's right, but because the majority of people are so pagan that it keeps the peace. Um, we have gotten into a problem in our world in thinking that we can legislate our Christian belief and that we can legislate what is right and wrong in morality because we think it is the maximum justice. And it's not. What, what is spiritual justice, what is God's justice, should be played out in the world, but it isn't. And just because the government does what, in a bad way, what their call is, doesn't mean that... that um, doesn't doesn't mean that it is it's for me to change, and and I've struggled with that. I and I'm, I'm and I'm not articulating it maybe as well as I should. I'll give you time then. Yeah. I would throw in the example of Moses allowing divorce, you know, and, and Jesus flat out says Moses allowed divorce because your hearts were hard. Yeah, and and I think that's what you're saying is that that you know if we were to try to to legislate you know, some kind of specific justice that would be completely the opposite of the way the world is going right now, it would result in um, civil war, Mm 
Right. I mean, it's not too far from that right now. And that's not what we want. Well, I, I and yeah, thank you for that example of Moses, because yeah. I think that's perfect. Um, it, it's also, you know, the example of, of Daniel living in Babylon. You know, Babylon did tons of things that Daniel didn't agree with as a, as a believer, but that's their right as a government to do such things. And, and, and it only impeded him when they said, you cannot. And, and so I, I would take a step back and I would just say this. I don't agree with abortion. We all know that. that that's not a thing. But if the, government said, if the government said abortions are legal, no Christian has a, has, a, has a standing to tell the government they were wrong. If the majority of the country would be at peace of it. I hate to say that. Because I'm gonna, everyone's gonna look at me. How dare he? No, that's they did their job. They kept the peace. Now, if they said you have to have an abortion, there's a totally different conversation. That is a totally different conversation. It is interesting how Paul in Romans, when he talks about the the evildoer, I think we sometimes make the mental jump to say the evildoer, how God views the evildoer. Right. And is that what you guys are saying? Is that sometimes the, the government has to the sword god's going to hold the government accountable for how it uses it yep. but it's trying to in it, it has a version of justice but it may not be maximum justice it might no. be a justice that means let's just do whatever it, it to keep this everything together right and that's what i'm saying and 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 it, it impedes you and and you and it really starts to interact with the, your christian faith when in, when the government says you must and you see that in, in, in the book of Daniel. You see that with, with many things. When the government says, you now have to, and it's like, no, I can't because that's against my faith. It's against my belief. It's against my call of my God. You take a stand and you follow the Lord, and then you're going to have a consequence. There's going to be a consequence. We have made ourselves, we have made consequences for ourselves, I think, in this battle, which, again, people are going to not agree with me, and that's fine, and they're going to yell and scream and think I'm horrible. But we've made ourselves targets because instead of, of, of looking at the person and saying, let's help the people work through this, let's change, let's, let's be the change in the heart through the proclamation of the gospel, we've decided let's let the government fight our battle by making a law because we feel more comfortable than doing the hard work. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is the, the government isn't there to do our job. They're not there to be the gospel. They're there to be the sword to keep the peace in a relative term in the world and and their misguided justice is going to be what it is, and they'll be accountable to the Lord. But but our justice is here is the law. I'm going to speak it to you, and the Spirit will condemn your heart, and then I will speak the gospel to you, and the Spirit will lift you up. And this is the job of the church. And and we have messed we've messed that up. We we have messed that up. So, so in, 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 in one sense, I agree with him in saying you can't be a, a single issue a single issue voter. On the opposite side, sometimes you're going to have to you're going to have to to vote and say, I, I know this is wrong, but this is the best guy to keep the peace for the proclamation of the gospel. And that's a hard thing to have to say. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate him saying maximum justice and not perfect justice. Because he, he's and saying, there you, go. you yeah. know, it's not like we're, it's never going to get to what you accomplish because it's the, the government doesn't have all the tools that it can to accomplish what you're asking it to accomplish. Right. So I appreciate what you're saying is so, and I feel this in the same way my own congregation as well, where individuals are thinking 
their engagement with on the abortion issue is solely in the ballot box, and that's that's it. That we're expecting the government to um, to do its to do their job as a Christian to share God's word with their with their neighbor, and then they're frustrated, like here in Wisconsin, when oh uh, the law was no abortion, so they thought oh that we're done, and then Planned Parenthood is in the news blatantly saying no we're going to do it anyway we're going to challenge the law and then christians are like well but we made a law you know and they, it's just exhibit right. a of law does not change people's hearts well and and the simple fact that that it's just our own sinful nature as christians trying to put off our sanctification and our living our life of sanctification and and this is where I think this is the this is the part where I'm going to be hung out to dry by many Christians who say, "Well, I need to take my my faith into the ballot box," and and I'm going to just say, I'm I'm going to let you know right now, you're going to ask that question and you're going to you're going to you're going to to really struggle with that and you're going to look to guidance for your pastors and and you might have a pastor that says yes you absolutely have to and you might have a pastor like me that's going to say you're going to maybe have to make a bad choice and and I'm going to stand behind that for the simple fact that we live in a time of government that has never been where where the people get to participate in maximum justice or participate in the left side of the kingdom um that that has never been in history it's always been the government and the people and, and the government does what it wants, um, and you hope that it does what is best. So, so you're in uncharted territory where, where you, you look at it and you're like, okay, how do I do this to the best of my conscience? So you don't want to sin against your conscience, but yet how do I do this also recognizing the role of myself as a believer and the government as the left kingdom, the, the sword, and, and, and what is their limit? And, and recognizing that sometimes I'm going to have to make a choice because it is for the better good um, of keeping the relative peace as opposed to what my personal feeling may be. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. I think when we talk about what it means to take your, your faith into the ballot box, I, I think that's where we need to be clear. You know, taking your faith into the ballot box means, you know, um, God used Herod the Great in his plan of salvation. God used Pontius Pilate. God is in control of the world to get people to the resurrection, to eternal life, and to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's what I trust in. And that's what gives me peace. And so when I vote, it is not with the it is not with the idea of, okay, now I'm going to make everybody into a Christian. It is not with the idea of, now I'm going to make everybody do what God tells them to do. It is with the peace of, you know, however however this election turns out, God's kingdom is still going to come. You know, God's will is still going to be done. And... And with that understanding, you know, we can have confidence as we do it. And then when we look at other people, we need to take their actions in the, the kindest possible way and, and not yeah. try to not try to read their heart. Absolutely. You know, that that when when they vote, 
assume they're voting for the right reasons and not assume they're a single issue voter, not assume that they haven't thought about it or agonized over it, because these are tough issues. And, and part of the reason that we have such a divided society right now is that you have people on the right and the left looking at the other side saying, well, you voted that way because you're a horrible person. You want to control my body or you just want to be a, a sinful, licentious person. You know, I've often thought that way about you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. I am a sinful, horrible person. <laughs> I'm sorry we cut you off. Go ahead, Dave. And, and that's what it means to take your faith into the ballot box yeah. is trusting in God's rule and then also following the Eighth Commandment when you look at how other people vote. Right. And mm-hmm. on the same page, you and I. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Dave is standing out there all on, all on his own. <laughs> no comments. Talking points. Over here. <laughs> talking points. <laughs> no, I'm a firm believer that if somebody else says something, I don't have to reiterate it and say it again. So I don't, you know, the conversation. I like validation. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I validate by repeating everything you say back to you. All right. Oh, wait. Anyway, so we um, how would we want to? That that's the third sermon on yeah. there. There's three sermons they've had. Um. Uh, the similar approach sermons, then conversations with uh, Pastor Novotny, and then also some questions at the end for discussion. Uh, and then we, how do you feel? Write your answer. How do how do well? A little bit. <laughs> Choose more. your own adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry. possible uses uh, you're like slipping back to who you're normally i am i'm you trying were doing I so I was, well i was uh i'm sorry good thing, good thing the child was born for you too yes um how are we going to use this i would i would say that this is uh the only work right now um that's out there to to really look at the topic and in, in, in a very fair way and say I'm going to try to approach this. So I would, I would say anybody who, who's struggling or talking with somebody who has done this or is like, I want more information, read this book. It's an easy read. You'll get through it in, a, in an evening. And, 88 pages or 80 yeah. pages. And you will, you will feel um, that you have a grasp at least to start talking about the pages. conversation. Mm-hmm. And that, so I, I would yeah. definitely say that. I, I, does, I, I do feel that it does help us move from where we're, and this is a generalization of, we kept all of these conversations within an echo chamber because we couldn't talk about them in the world because of Roe v. Wade. And now let's move us as individuals and as a church to start talking and engaging the community that we are in and the society that we are in and also consistently examining ourselves. I would hope that by reading this book and then thinking about the things that we have said, especially the parts where we filled in the gospel and, and these other sections, that that would help us uh, and equip us to actually have these conversations yeah. with others and actually be active in the church, not um, not in the way that Dave was saying where it's, oh, we have to uh, because otherwise then God isn't going to bless us or, or otherwise we're not a Christian, but because we get to, because of what uh, Jesus has done for us. He has given us this vocation uh, that we have as individuals and in our various vocations in life that we can serve him and be his masks uh, in this world. I agree. Dave, how would you use it? Pastor Endor. I just appreciated, you know, learning from it. Um, and I, I think if I had somebody who was, you know, struggling 
you know, I'd share it with them because I, I recognize I'm a guy and, and there's always going to be a, some barrier because there's things I've never experienced. I can't go through and, you know, there's stories in there that they're going to sympathize with. And so I'd here get what you can out of this. You know, this right. is a good thing. And, um, and yeah, so I definitely share it with them. Yeah. I also would share with just the simple fact that I, I have confidence <clears throat> um, that that brother Novotny is is a brother in the ministry. Um, he believes what we preach and teach. Um, and so he is intentionally driving people to the cross of Christ, uh, not in a work righteous type of way. Do this. Don't do that. But in a in a way that is relying on the Lord to work faith and to change hearts. So <clears throat> sometimes you get some of these books. Uh, where you're like, mm, you can read it. There's some good things, but you got to be kind of aware of this, 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 this. And I, and this is one of those cases where I can say, you know what? I think I think for the the lay person, pick it up. You will be well fed. I I, I really do. Even after all of our comments, yeah. but this is a pastor looking at another pastor and critiquing a sermon. We're, we're always hardest <laughs> on our own family, aren't we? Absolutely. We are. We want our own family to do well. Yeah. Yeah. But I think any, any person could pick it up and be, I was well fed and, and guided appropriately. So that's where I would. Anything else? Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for reading this book. Um, I uh, appreciated your comments and also your thoughts and gospel focus as you read through the book uh, that you weren't, um, you were, you are servants of the gospel. And I appreciate that because as you read a book, you're like, I want to hear more about Jesus and I want God's people to hear more about Jesus. And so you, you guys both obviously cared a lot about that. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys reading the book. I appreciate the listeners for uh, doing this because this show really is about talking about contemporary issues and talking about real life and living faith here on Casting Nuts. And so please keep watching and communicate. This is the beginning of a conversation and certainly not the end and um, find rest in Christ.